millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is the Colgrave Seabrook Foundation podcast in association with Hall Week, the industry's leading trade title. This podcast is brought to you with the help of our sponsor, More People the market leaders for professional recruitment across the UK and internationally. They specialise in horticulture, fresh produce, food, agriculture and garden and leisure sectors. For more information, please visit morepeople.co.uk. They start buddying up with each other and forming businesses together. I've known of two or three of them from a cohort all working together around Hampshire on a little self-employed venture just doing people's gardens. They keep emailing me because they've got so many clients. I'm Neville Stein, one of the trustees of the Colgrave Seabrook Foundation. We know it's quite hard to find good information about horticultural careers, which is why we made this podcast. Lucy Lewis is a lecturer at Sparshot College, and on this episode of Cultivate Your Future, she outlines what is available for people who are considering a start in horticultural education. She explains her journey as a career changer and tells us what the students on the courses she teaches actually get up to. Lucy, bit of an interesting career move. You know, you're a primary school teacher and now you're teaching horticulture at Sparshall Agricultural College. What was that thing that got you to make that transformation? I'd been doing horticulture before I went into primary school teaching and it's one of those things that's just in your blood and you can't kind of escape from. So I never liked being indoors and as much as I love the kids, I never really felt settled and the opportunity came up to teach at Sparshall and it seemed almost too good to be true, combining everything I'd loved beforehand plus the opportunity to teach as well. So just sort of went for it and thankfully they liked me and the role was perfect and I've been there five years now. So how did you make that transition? So, you know, you said you liked the idea, you know, like horticulture was in your blood. What are the things you did to get you from being a primary school teacher to teaching a spa shop? So um, you're going to laugh. The thing that broke me was hellebores. I was hybridising hellebores in a tunnel at minus five degrees and I just thought I need a change. I need a change. And I jacked it all in a bit irrationally, I think, went primary, retrained in that. Did love them, did love the kids. 
But I forgot all the good stuff about um, horticulture, I think, in that very cold winter in that tunnel. And I didn't really understand that there were so many other things I could be doing with the industry, not just sat in a tunnel on my own. I didn't seek out guidance and advice of what I could do instead. And I just sort of quit and ran to do something else. So I now try and give all my students as many opportunities as possible to know that there's just not one thing to do. And I didn't see that. Got a bit stuck. Oh, that's wonderful. So you're now teaching a range of courses for Sparsholt, level one, two and three. Tell us a little bit about what you're teaching and maybe what's the most popular course as well. Be interested to know that. So probably based on student numbers, our most popular course would be the RHS practical courses, because for adults, career changes, they teach sort of all the basics of horticulture and it's all practical. We call it the mucky course. We're outside all the time learning all the skills. For school leavers, they're all pretty even, the level one, two and three, because those courses depend on the grades that you get and sort of where you are academically and sometimes maturity as well. We, we find the right fit for the person based on them, really. And we average about 10 to 15 students on each of those levels every year as well. Lucy, tell me, what can people expect to do at level one, level two and level three? What do those courses look like? So... We teach the same sorts of things at each level, but the complexity and the amount of um, initiative you're expected to use increases as the levels go up. So across all three courses, you'll be doing hard landscaping, so paving, block paving, brickwork, woodwork, construction, fences, propagation, seeds, tree planting, general maintenance, pruning. Level one, it will be heavily supported. It won't be very complicated and you'll be guided of what to do. Level two, I give you quite a lot of help to start with, but then I start expecting you to do it a little bit more on your own. And level three, we expect you to sort of, we give you a little bit of a pointer, but we want you to make decisions. We want you to be able to decide what you're going to do based on the environment, based on the plants, based on the circumstances sort of thing. So it's very much more of a hands-off. We want you to be learning because at level three, you'd be going out into the world of work on your own quite quickly. And we, we need you to have those skills to be able to do that. But all three levels have quite a large element of practical to them. Level one is about 70% practical. Level two and three, it's about half and half. So level two and three have more classroom theory-based stuff. So you're learning the plant science, garden design theory, construction theory. Level three, we also go into organics and sustainability, so broader issues within the industry. But to make up for the fact on level two and three, you're doing this heavier classroom stuff. We also take you out on more work experience days. So to gardens or estates where you're learning the real life skills as well and getting a whole good day of practical to compensate for maybe the classroom sessions we did the day before. So the entry level is level one. Is that right? Not necessarily. So it's based on GCSE results when you're a full time student. So we offer level one, two and three full time courses. We currently do city and guilds, but I know other colleges may choose different providers and it's all based based on grades, whether you go on level one, two and three. So level three is your equivalent of A-levels. If you complete the two-year programme, you've got three A-levels, UCAS points if you want to go on to uni, and you need your five GCSEs, including English and maths, to get onto that one. Level two is the equivalent of a GCSE, and we need you to have, I think, three to four GCSEs, but you don't need to have English and maths. So you can continue to work towards your English and maths alongside your horticulture study. And we tend to be a little bit more supportive. I give them a little bit more help along the way. There's less independence required. So it's a kind of a nice stepping stone. And then level one is for your learner who maybe struggles academically or has got additional needs and even more supportive, very practical, gets them used to being in a college environment, gets 
get some used to traveling independently using tools independently and hopefully we get them loving horticulture and then they feel confident and ready to go on to level two and we've had students in the past that then continue on to level three and complete all four years with us which we absolutely love and after they let's say they've got a level three typically you know what do the students go on to do in the industry Most of our learners go on to do work, actually. A couple have gone on to university, but that's not usually their first choice. We've had people working for garden designers, landscapers, a couple of students. They got a scholarship up in a Scottish garden, so they're up there for a year. Some of my level twos have decided to go and do work in garden centres, work with landscapers, work in historic gardens. So nearly all of our learners go on and work and are really enjoying what they do. On this series of podcasts, we've interviewed Sarah Hale, who's at the RHS, Master of Horticulture, Courses Manager. And I understand you're studying for the Master of Horticulture as well, is that correct? Yes, I am. I'm quite tired, second year in. And how's that going for you? (laughs) Uh, It's quite a lot going alongside being a teacher, everyone knows, is quite full on and trying to do your own study in between there. On the one hand, I sympathise with the students when we've all got a deadline together and there's been some Wednesdays the night before the hand-in where all of us, me and the Level 3 students, look a little bit tired. Um, and then on the other hand, I think I'm absolutely stupid, but I'm two years in now and I'm fully committed to giving it the best I can. Well, so you've just got a year to go. You're in that final year. Yeah, nearly there. <laughs> yeah, well done. <laughs> but really, what was the driver for you to doing the MHOG? Because it sounds like you've got a great job there at uh, Sparshold. But, you know, so what was that driver to get you to that? You know, was it something to get you to the next level or or what? Lots of different things sort of came together. My undergrad is garden design, landscape architecture. And so within pure horticulture circles, I'm not as great with my plants as I would like to be. So I wanted to improve on that. I I did design and realised three years in, I don't really like doing much design. So that was my own mistake, I think, when I was 18 to choose that. And I did the practical parts of the RHS courses, so practical level two and practical level three. And I always felt like there was the theory side that I was missing. And I just wanted to secure my own knowledge, especially if I continue to teach more level three or possibly higher level horticulture. I needed a better foundation in the subject knowledge to feel a bit more confident in myself, to be honest. And I was also hoping to network and meet people across the country just to expand my own horizons a little bit as well. Mm. In terms of your teaching role there at Sparsholt, did you need to go and do other qualifications to enable you to be a more effective teacher? Or did you do a postgraduate certificate in education, for example? Yeah, so I've done my postgraduate certificate in primary education, but um, that is transferable to secondary and college as well because it's a high enough level. And to be honest, a lot of the skills that you use in a primary teaching classroom, you can still use even with adults. Everybody loves a little bit of a game of cards or a crossword and stuff like that. So a lot of the skills are very transferable. But for adults in the industry that perhaps haven't had that background, um, our college and others offer teacher training. So that if you've been in the industry a long time and you've got all the industri- industry knowledge, you can come over and start working as a technician or as an instructor. And then we let you, we not let you, but we allow you to do um, or give you the opportunity to do teacher training alongside that so that you can become a lecturer over time as well if you want to continue teaching within the subject. We love it if we've got people from the industry coming in because the amount of skills that they bring is brilliant. So Lucy, it strikes me that one can be practising in horticulture and perhaps not have a degree. But from what you said, it seems that it's possible to get into being a horticultural educator. Is that correct? Yes, definitely. It's 100% possible. There's a couple of different routes you can take. You could just be working as an instructor or tech where you're doing practical. 
many colleges will give you the opportunity to do your teacher training alongside your job so that you can develop more teaching skills and then perhaps move on to lecturing higher level or theory stuff. I'm just speaking from Sparshot's perspective. Other agricultural colleges may do a different sort of approach. Usually with an education, most schools want you to be trained a level higher than what you're teaching but in horticulture and practical it's a little bit different as long as you can prove you've got the skills and the knowledge to teach what you're teaching I think that would be very open-minded because a lot of um, actual real life experience counts for an awful lot within our industry and similar and I think that would be very valuable in a classroom. Do you sense there are a lot of vacancies for horticultural lecturers around the country? Yeah there's loads of vacancies for jobs we do struggle to recruit to find the right type of person that's got perhaps both the really solid horticulture skills and experience and the interpersonal skills to work in classrooms. It's a challenging environment with students who are all so different and it takes a pretty unique set of skills to be able to do both. And the people that do find that little niche really, really love it and it's the right job for them. But I think we're a pretty unusual breed. Well, I've done a rough calculation, and I reckon you might have sort of somewhere somewhere approaching 200 students, which is absolutely incredible when people think that no one's coming in horticulture. It is pretty amazing. It's the adults and the career changes and the slightly older students, which are forming a majority of our learners at the moment. I don't think a lot of 16-year-olds realise the benefits and actually how interesting and exciting horticulture can be. They often choose jobs that they know more about and then realise later on that they miss this opportunity and want to come back and have another go i'm intrigued can we think about that career changer sort of discussion a bit more you and i both know that it's difficult to get young people into horticulture but you're seeing as i am seeing so many career changes people that are perhaps you know given up with the idea of their main career and thinking well there must be something more and perhaps i want to follow a passion you know is that perhaps an opportunity for you to market to those people a bit more or, or how are you going to encourage more career changes into the sector we have a waiting list on our adult courses so actually if, if anything we need them just to chill out for a little bit so that we can work our way through the wait list uh, we always we fill up three courses easy every year we didn't have the teaching provision to add a fourth course on um, we just felt like we would be stretched too thin to try and cover a fourth course but we had the the learners prepared to sign up to us so I don't know whether marketing's that necessary in all honesty they all seem quite keen they're also more willing to take that chance they're unhappy in what they're currently doing so they they like this and they're, they're wanting to do that chance for a lot of people I think the concern is the financial side of things whilst they're retraining and perhaps between jobs and we've got quite a few learners who that is a big worry to there are some that are in very fortunate situations have got families are financially quite settled but for those in between those sorts of things it's a big old burden to take that jump and maybe we need to look at bridging that gap for those ones that haven't got the financial backing you know the financial support and are taking this big burden on on their own maybe and are your courses part-time? So if I was a career changer, I could, you know, could I possibly have a part-time job and then also study part-time as well? Yes, 100%. They're designed to be that. So both the practical parts. So the practical is one day a week and the theory is one day a week. So you'd have the choice of doing two days a week in one year or studying for one day a week over the two-year programme. So you could decide to sort of pick and mix it depending on your circumstances. And so most people are working alongside that. 
And how many of these career changes that you're teaching at the moment, how many of them go through to perhaps starting up their own business? Quite a few, actually. And what's really lovely is they start buddying up with each other and forming businesses together. I've known of two or three of them from a cohort two or three years ago now who are all working together around Hampshire on a little self-employed venture just doing people's gardens. They keep emailing me wanting to take on more because they've got so many clients. So I keep giving it out to my newbies that have come through this year to hopefully they can recruit a couple extra people. Several of them have got jobs in local garden centres and local nurseries because I've done references for them. And some of them just decide, you know, what time's not right yet, but they've got this qualification to fall back onto when the timing is right. And I think that's really lovely as well. So it strikes me that if you're a career changer and you wanted to study at Sparsholt, actually some of the risk in making that change is taken out because you know you can study part-time and work part-time but also seems to me that you're indicating that actually there's a very high success rate in employability would that be correct yeah definitely we get so many jobs coming through from the local area um advertising and we put them all up on the jobs board so we've got a spa shot jobs board for the whole college and then we've also got ones in the mess room where all the students hang out and then we also stick them on teams chats and email them out so anytime a job comes through we send it out to everyone and quite a few of those do get picked up whether they're just temporary little things to build a bit of confidence like mowing some lawn but some really good jobs have come through that way as well sure well you know as a young 17 year old i was considering going to Sparshall college <laughs> of agriculture because i lived in hampshire and so it would have been our local college but i chose to go to Pershall in the end to do nursery stock so i have to say i'm not familiar with the facilities there but they sound rather good can you tell us about the facilities at Sparshall? yeah it's great they should come for a little visit we've got massive greenhouses we've got polytunnels but the campus itself is absolutely huge i've taken a friend on a walk we did a 10 15k walk and we hadn't left the actual campus so we've got a farm we've got equine we've got a lake and conservation areas there's a deer pen football academy so three football pitches at the top we do greenkeeping and the animal management little mini zoo set up and a fishery it's a huge center and it's a great fun place to work you're never quite sure what random email you're going to get offering you fish or a tractor part or some venison burgers things like that Let's pick up on the greenkeeping thing. Does that come under your remit of horticulture? All my students will laugh at me because they all know grass is not my thing. Um, whenever we do lawn maintenance, I get my colleague to help because I don't like it. They share the office with us and they share so management. So I guess they do kind of count, don't they? The greenkeeper would disagree with me and say that he's so specialist, it doesn't count. It's not the same thing. But it's useful to know that uh, you run courses in that. So if there's some folks working on a golf course at the moment or whatever, it might be it'd be worth contacting you to find out what the career route might be to progress. Definitely, definitely. And the Greenkeepers just started running the Level 3 apprenticeship as well this year. Okay, and talking about progression, you know, you might want to be careful about this answer. Where does it all go for you then? You know, it sounds like you're doing a great job there teaching, but you're studying for the MHort. What does it look like in 10 years' time? Oh, gosh, I genuinely don't know. I've been at the college five years. I still work with the people that taught me, so we are like a little family. So I've got no plans to go anywhere at the moment. I just need to get my dissertation done, Neville, first. Focus to, uh, I mean, presume... (laughs) Can I get that done and then worry about the future? Well, presumably you're going to be working on your dissertation this half term, I hope. Did you hear the tumbleweed everybody going through then? Just uh... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. look, you didn't answer, you didn't answer that question. <laughs> One final question here for you, a little bit random. Tell us about what do you think has been your best day at work? Oh, my gosh. So we do Chelsea Flower Show at Sparshalt and the level three second years go up every year. Me and my colleague Chris and the team put a garden together, we build it. And 
I absolutely, I love it. I know it's so, it's so, it goes against everything I stand for in terms of it's all showy and pretty and I love the experience every year. So when we get that group of students up and we finally realise that we have once again built a garden with students on a college shoestring budget, driven up to London every day and then we pull it off, that's pretty amazing. I mean, come June, July, I can't think of anything worse doing it all again in May. But now we're talking about we've got to get our application in and see if we can go again and we're getting quite excited, so... Every year, for me, that is kind of the highlight. And I'm hoping for a real positive answer here. You're a gold medal winner, are you? Oh, yeah, we got gold last year and best in discovery. It's my sixth one I've done overall, uh, Chelsea, but it's my third one with the college. And so we had two silver gilts and we got a gold this year now. Great. Well, that's congratulations. My colleague Chris, he's on 25 medals with Chelsea. Okay. (laughs) Done with students as well. Done with students, everyone. This is not just something where he's paid a load of landscapers to come in and do it. We do this with students. They build the whole thing. Chelsea's stressful. Doing it with students, that adds to an extra level of fun for all of us, to be honest. But it's so worth it. (laughs) My thanks to Lucy Lewis, one of the lecturers at Sparshot College. It's inspiring to hear about young people taking horticulture and about those more mature students who are changing careers. If you'd like to find out more about the courses that are available at Sparshot College, then you can take a look at their website, sparshot.ac.uk. We'll also put a link in the show notes. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.